on this episode, episode of JR the P. And what's going on in Canada the last couple of weeks here has been um, the Emergencies Act inquiry, a pseudo investigation into the legitimacy of the invocation of the Emergencies Act by Prime Minister woke face, I mean black face, I mean who knows what I mean, fluidity, Trudeau, you know? The Emergencies Act is a statuette, statuette, statutate, statutory, statutory, uh, <clears throat> statuette passed by the Parliament of Canada in 1988, which authorizes the Government of Canada to take extraordinary temporary measures to respond to public welfare emergencies, public order emergencies, international emergencies, and war emergencies. The law replaces the War Measures Act, passed in 1914. It asserts that any government action continues to be subject to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and Canadian Bill of Rights. So that's what... um, Prime Minister Blackface, Prime Minister pretend to be gay Trudeau, um, invoked. He invoked the Emergencies Act. And that act um, gives the government of Canada extraordinary temporary measures to respond to public welfare emergencies, public order emergencies, international emergencies, and war emergencies. But the defining criteria for an emergency of such a magnitude is, you know, loosely defined and very broad. Hence, the outcry, the public outcry, outrageous um, public sentiment when it was invoked this past February due to the... uh, Freedom Convoy 2022 pushback against these ridiculous ignoramical, ignoramus type mandates imposed by the uh, government in response to COVID-19, whatever the fuck it is. And to reiterate my point on COVID-19, which I've been pretty much spouting from the beginning, your weekly, monthly, yearly, till these dumb motherfuckers see clearly, COVID-19 is a political weapon used to disrupt global economies and gain control for whatever nefarious reason. You know, it's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, hogwash, horse feathers, you know? Hey, there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Awfully squooey. Oh, that wascoey Wuhan wabbit. Now, I don't know what the reasons are for these nefarious actions caused by COVID-19 and its mandates, but I can guarantee they're nefarious, all right? I mean, here we are, like, coming up three years of COVID-19. We still don't know where it originated. We still don't know what the scope, the magnitude, the story. We don't really know much else. We're kind of like right back at square one. Wagwan. What's happening, Padres? It's your chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramchurant. 
reporting live for duty on this magnificent December 3rd in the year of our Lord, 2022. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Oh, hey folks. How you doing? If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, that is, this is a show where I gob, gab, squawk, and blab about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. Yeah, you know. Um, The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, my own website, Janathan, pronounced Janathan, Janathan Janathan-Ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, gags, guffaws, chuckles, chortles, you know, please, would you help my black ass out? Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring. Folks, you know it truly is. Yes. Quick sip of tea, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Salute. Ooh, December 3rd already. Only 22 shopping days left till Christmas. So, big news in Canada. Big news in world affairs. Under the radar, you know. I mean, when you compare it next to like, you know, a Kanye West tweet or, you know, you know, some fucking ritzy titsy Hollywood affair, you know, some unraveling of some dumb dildo donated art gallery wing at some windbag fucking wing nut fucking museum somewhere. Oh, the pencil, pencil, pencil sketching stencils of the... 16th century. (laughs) Fucking Met Gala. Fucking these dildo dickhead fucking doorknob ignoramuses. These fucking moron famous people show up in their fucking gowns and ball gowns and, you know, tuxes and suits and ties, you know. I mean, what I'm about to mention right now is peanuts in comparison to like a You know, uh, a charitable auction hosted by, you know, the rich and the famous. Um, Or again, you know, like a a yay tweet or fucking, you know, something of that magnitude, you know. Yeah, you can't tell me nothing. (laughs) You can't tell me nothing. (laughs) Oh, oh. Fucking, uh, what's it called? It's first thing in the morning, too, by the way. When I was pulling an all-nighter. You know, busy fella like myself. But anyway, cut me some slack here. Having a little bit of a brain fart. What the bumba clot? The um, Emergencies Act Inquiry. Pales in comparison to a yay tweet, uh, for sure, you know? Um, you know? But, uh... The Emergencies Act 
inquiry, which was brought upon by the Freedom Convoy movement of 2022. One moment, folks. You hear that swashing and swishing. It's the damn register, heating register. One moment. Uh, uh, yeah, the joys of podcasting from your humble abode. You know, we can't all be yay, you know. I'm going to go Death Con fucking three on your motherfucking jays. You know, what does he give a shit? You know, he's got palaces all over the fucking world, you know. Deals with all sorts of fucking fashion designers, you know, get dropped by Adidas. Who gives a bumba clot? You know, just strike something up with Nike. You just create your own shit. I'm saving up for a pair of Yeezys, by the way. You know, one of these days, boy, I'll be rocking a pair of Yeezys on the podcast. But I gotta save up for them, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, once I get the fucking Yeezy fund squared away, you know, you know, it'll be a whole other look here at JR the P. But those are the uh, the the fun little uh, trials and tribulations of recording from home. You know, we can't all be Yeezus, fucking mansions all over the world and shit. You know, you heard uh, my heating register grumbling. I had to go turn it off. Anyway, I digress. Um, you know, the big news of the day, I mean... I would say arguably bigger than a yay tweet, but I mean, who's the judge? Um, The Emergencies Act inquiry sparked by the Freedom Convoy 2022. Now, to to bring it home, not to bring it home, but to, you know, I'm going to bring it home, the fucking two-minute podcast, not to bring it home, but to bring it up. Um, This is an article from Wikipedia. Org. Make sure to donate. <laughs> so the Canada Convoy Protest. A series of protests and blockades in Canada against COVID-19 vaccine, vaccine mandates and restrictions called the Freedom Convoy. Freedom Convoy 2022. By organizers began in early 2022. The initial convoy movement was created to protest vaccine mandates for crossing the United States border, but later evolved into a protest about COVID-19 mandates in general. Beginning January 22nd, hundreds of vehicles formed convoys from several points and traversed Canadian provinces before converging on Ottawa on January 29th, 2022, with with a rally at Parliament Hill. The convoys were joined by thousands of pedestrians, pedestrian protesters. Several offshoot protests blockaded provincial capitals and border crossings with the United States. Yes. So that's the Freedom Convoy. Um, And the inquiry into the Emergencies Act which for the first time in its history since 1988, its conception, I believe, 
it was, um, you know, introduced as a, uh, I don't know, an updated version of the War Measures Act. The So this act that was invoked, uh, the Emergencies Act, you know, it was invoked for the first time in our country's history by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Hi, everyone. Justin Trudeau. You know, just gonna invoke the War Measures Act unilaterally control society. Hi, everyone. Kiss your civil liberties goodbye, Justin Trudeau. I wear blackface. I pretend to be gay just to get votes. Deo, me say deo. Daylight come and me one go home. I steal from charities. Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. The Emergencies Act was invoked for the first time by Justine Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. Pry being the operative operative word, P-R-Y, pry. That's how you spell pry. You know, to pry into somebody's business. Fucking woke sack of shit. I mean, uh, Mr. Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. Now, um... The War Measures Act, or the Emergencies Act, rather. Let me just give you a definition of that, in case you've been hanging on every uh, tweet by yay for the last couple days, last couple weeks, and you haven't really done much, you know, consideration of, you know, other things outside of, uh, as if I do. (laughs) I hang on every word that man says, you know. Feels like 400 years of slavery was a choice. Emergencies Act. She don't believe in shooting stars, but she believes in shoes and cars. Flashing lights, lights, lights. Now I know you never take it this far. But I would take it this far. What do I know? What do I know? Oh, 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 oh. Where's this bumblecut ting? Where's Wikipedia when you need it? Emergencies Act Wikipedia. And again, make sure to donate. Or they're going to go the way of, uh, you know. Yay's Adidas deal. Okay, what do we got here? So this is according to Wikipedia. The Emergencies Act is a statuette. Statuette? Statutate? Statutory? Statutory, uh, <clears throat> Statuette passed by the Parliament of Canada in 1988, which authorizes the Government of Canada to take extraordinary temporary measures to respond to public welfare emergencies, public order emergencies, international emergencies, and war emergencies. The law replaces the War Measures Act, passed in 1914, 
It asserts that any government action continues to be subject to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and Canadian Bill of Rights. So that's what um, Prime Minister Blackface, Prime Minister pretend to be gay Trudeau, um, invoked. He invoked the Emergencies Act. And that act um, it gives the government of Canada extraordinary temporary measures to respond to public welfare emergencies, public order emergencies, international emergencies, and war emergencies. But the defining criteria for an emergency of such a magnitude is, you know, loosely defined and very broad. Hence, the outcry, the public outcry, outrageous um, public sentiment when it was invoked this past February due to the... uh, Freedom Convoy 2022 pushed back against these ridiculous ignoramical, ignoramus type mandates imposed by the uh, government in response to COVID-19, whatever the fuck it is. And to reiterate my point on COVID-19, which I've been pretty much spouting from the beginning, your weekly, monthly, yearly, till you dumb motherfuckers see clearly, COVID-19 is a political weapon used to disrupt global economies and gain control for whatever nefarious reason. You know, it's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, hogwash, horse feathers, you know? Hey, there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Awfully squooey. Oh, that wascoey Wuhan wabbit. Now, I don't know what the reasons are for these nefarious actions caused by COVID-19 and its mandates, but I can guarantee they're nefarious, all right? I mean, here we are, like, coming up three years of COVID-19. We still don't know where it originated. We still don't know what the scope, the magnitude, the story. We don't really know much else. We're kind of like right back at square one. And, you know, I can go on a diatribe, but if you dip back into the lexicon of J.R. the P., Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, that is, I have several, um, you know, as everyone in the world does, (laughs) uh, not everyone in the world has funny, engaging podcast content, but, you know, most people have an opinion. And I voiced mine quite a bit over the past uh, few years of this ongoing COVID-19 situation on JR the P, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. So if you should feel, dip into the lexicon. A lot of my COVID-19 content, uh, it has something related to COVID-19 in the title. It would take the central theme of the podcast. So much content from uh, 2020 to unfortunately approaching 2023 now. You know, it's been on the lips of uh, every, pretty much any person who hasn't been living under a rock, you know. So, you know. So that's uh, a little bit of rambling on my part. My sentiment on COVID-19, 
the mandates, the global stage. And what's going on in Canada the last couple of weeks here has been um, the Emergencies Act inquiry, a pseudo-investigation into the legitimacy of the invocation of the Emergencies Act by Prime Minister Wokeface, I mean Blackface, I mean who knows what I mean, Fluidity Trudeau, you know? Quick sip of tea, boss. Don't mind me, boss. And no, I wasn't doing a Trudeau blackface impersonation. That's just one of my little hooks, you know? Quick sip of tea, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Just going to invoke the Wall Measures Act, boss. Don't mind me now, boss. Jump through a hoop for me now, boss. Uh, All right. So I got an article to read here. And, um, I mean, for what it's worth, take it for a grain of salt. I don't particularly um, search out any particular news outlet when I'm looking for um, content or um, information, really. I just kind of, I hear a broad mix of facts. I don't know if they're facts. I hear a broad mix of uh opinions and I try to formulate my own so this isn't like I'm in bed with this news art outlet it's just an article I found all right pardon me folks so this is an article from globeandmail.com theglobeandmail.com what we learned at emergencies What we learned at Emergencies Act Inquiry after six weeks of testimony. And the authors of this article are um, Marsha McLeod or McLeod, Marsha McLeod and Marieke Walsh. Those are the authors of this article. Take good notes. That's what Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told his staff as he decided to invoke the Emergencies Act for the first time in Canadian history. Anti-government, anti-vaccine mandate protests had been gridlocking downtown Ottawa for more than three weeks while jammed border crossings were wreaking havoc on international trade. Hyperbole, exaggeration, um... From my personal opinion, one's democracy and sense of freedom is essential. If you want to speak about woke essentialism, liberty, freedom. You slowed down the delivery of fucking ping pong balls to the local fucking Toys R Us. What? The fuck ever. We're talking about personal freedom and liberty here. So. Anti-government and anti-vaccine mandate protests had been gridlocking downtown Ottawa for more than three weeks while jammed border crossings were wreaking havoc on international trade. (gasps) Oh, even though the COVID-19 pandemic and 
you know, mandates have been wreaking havoc for like, you know, over a year at that point. In the point of January 2021 or 22. Over a year of bullshit. Anyway, I'm going to try to stay on point here. <laughs> Through the inquiry, reams of government records have been released, resulting in a rare look inside the most powerful public offices in Canada. The thousands of pages of text messages, emails, meeting minutes, and hand-scribbled notes detail ministers, personal fears, private conversations, and comments not meant for public consumption. Pause. For one second here. Pause. I like that. Um, this little blurb here. <clears throat> uh... A rare look inside the most powerful public offices in Canada. Well, any political public office in Canada, elected allegedly democratically, is representation by, uh, was it, elected representation. What powerful, omnipotent office we elect these people to enact our wishes in a democratic free society. Elected representation. What is this um, powerful office? Oh, a a behind the seat. Like, what is it? The Wizard of fucking Oz? We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Because, 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 because. Because of all the fucking mandates he fucking thrust down our fucking gullet. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of fucking Ottawa. Yo, a look behind the fucking closed door of some of the most powerful offices in Canada. Elected by the people. Elected representation. Allegedly. But, um, here we go now. Texts, emails, documents. 30 hours leading up to emergencies, acts, Invocation. The records reveal a behind-the-scenes scramble to figure out the legal threshold to invoke the Emergencies Act, whether the convoy actually posed a national security threat, as required by the legislation, and how to articulate in a memo to the Prime Minister. You must be very articulate when you articulate to the Prime Minister. Secret cabinet documents foreshadowed the resentment that would animate the protests, detailed their historical precedents, and detailed their historical precedents, rather than the unprecedented event described by police, media, and government, the convoy protest was just the latest example in a long line of pandemic protests dating back to centuries, dating back centuries to the Black Death in the 1300s. A federal analysis found. Okay. The Public Order Emergency Commission, which is led by Justice Paul Rulo, has heard how the protests fractured supply chains, made a mockery of the capital city's police, and dented Canada's international reputation. Pause. From my point of view, looking in on my country, on my society, 
that I'm a part of, taxpaying citizen, Canadian, a person in my time looking in on that, I didn't see it that way. I didn't see it as a uh, um, a situation to um, um, you know fracture supply chains and make a mockery of the capital city's police and dent Canada's international reputation and did it 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 was a cry for freedom elected representation the voice of the people you can't just mandate people into whatever the hell you tell them to do people have a right to their own personal health measures people have a right to think for themselves despite what the science says bunch of mumbo jumbo made up hogwash anyway notice how the latest thing now is they're backpedaling a lot of double talk around the science it don't take a fucking genius to see that again I'm digressing Military was told to prepare to intervene in convoy protests, Defense Department officials say. Despite the government's, despite the government's extensive disclosures, it has not lifted the veil of solicitor-client privilege. This is very important. So despite the government's extensive disclosures, it has not lifted the veil of solicitor-client privilege. The, and to, to that point... Um, in regards to solicitor client privilege um, this is again according to wikipedia.org the definition legal professional privilege in common law jurisdictions legal professional privilege protects all communications between a professional legal advisor this is in parentheses um, a solicitor, a barrister, or attorney, close parentheses, and his or her clients from being disclosed without the permission of the client. The privilege is that of the client and not that of the lawyer. The purpose behind this legal principle is to protect an individual's ability to access the justice system by encouraging complete disclosure to legal advisors without the fear that any disclosure of these communications may prejudice the client in the future. So it's a little stick and carrot in front of the donkey. You know, it's a little treat for um, a client to encourage them to speak with legal advisors without fear of repercussion. Which is, uh, I mean, a little murky. It's kind of like when that John Wayne Gacy wacko, psychopath, serial killer. You know, um, I guess they were tailing him. They are on to him. You know, they are closing in on him, the police. John Wayne Gacy, the, uh, you know, sex killer. Anyway, back uh, on that case, um, I guess the police were closing in on him and he, he'd been up on pills for days, smoking weed and going on car chases. Finally, he was like burnt at both ends. He calls his attorney, takes him into an office. He's like, okay, buddy, I got something to tell you. Now, this is a, you know, client, uh, this is under the legal professional privilege, right? Client professional solicitor privilege, right? Uh, What do they call it here? Uh, The, uh, this is under the solicitor client privilege, right? And his, uh, his attorney's like, yeah. 
okay, uh, just between you and me, you know, um, I raped and killed 30 young boys and, uh, you know, buried them in my crawl space. <laughs> and, um, you know, this is all alleged, but um, and then, then his, like, lawyer's like, <laughs> what the? imagine that. Somebody comes to you and be like, yeah, I raped and killed 30 young men and buried them in a crawl space. You're not going to tell anybody, are you? <laughs> That's, um, you know, a little bit of solicitor-client privilege. So, you know, I, I digress and I'm embellishing it, making a mockery of it. But um, despite the government's extensive disclosures, it has not lifted the veil of solicitor-client privilege. The legal opinion that the government relied on to invoke the act remains hidden from the commission, the public and from the parliament that retroactively voted on the use of the act. So that's important. The government, the Trudeau government, is hiding behind the solicitor-client privilege. So the legal opinion that the government relied on to invoke the act remains hidden from the commission. So, they're trying to figure out the legitimacy that the government had in invoking the Emergencies Act. But due to the veil of solicitor-client privilege, the legal opinion that the government relied on to invoke the Act remains hidden from the Commission, the public, and from the Parliament that retroactively voted on the use of the Act. <laughs> After the fact. Is that what retroactive means? Um, it's, it's nuts. It's like they're doing this inquiry into... What, what, they're doing an inquiry into the legitimacy of the invocation of the Emergencies Act... Yet the reason for invoking it, their reasons, their reasons to cite this Freedom Convoy 2022 as a public emergencies, public emergency worthy of a emergencies act invocation, they won't disclose that information. You know, I guess you're going to have to form your own opinion. What do you think about that? The inquiry's primary hearings concluded last week with the high-profile testimony of Mr. Trudeau. High-profile. Sexy profile. That's another thing about this Trudeau character, you know? Most, um, most politicians, when they go into office, you know, there's pictures of them before and after. So they go in fresh as a daisy, come out as burnt as a bagel, you know? <laughs> you know, when you, you burnt the bagel in the fucking toaster? Beep, 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 beep. Oh. <clears throat> you know, you're fanning the fucking fire alarm, you know? Most politicians, they go into office fresh as a daisy, come out burnt as a bagel, you know? Not this Trudeau character. He gets beautiful and more beautiful by the fucking second. Makes me sick to my stomach. As the inquiry spent this week, 
As the inquiry spent this week on an additional week of policy discussions, the Globe and Mail looked back at key documents and debates raised over the past six weeks of testimony involving 76 witnesses over more than 230 hours, as well as the tabling of more than 7,000 documents. The result is a detailed view of governing and policing during a crisis. Reports warned of potential civil unrest. In 2021, year ahead, report, the intelligence group in the Privy Council office, the bureaucratic arm of the Prime Minister's office, as if, ever, if any, as if any arm of the fucking Prime Minister's office isn't anything but bureaucratic, but um, warned that against the backdrop of the pandemic, there would be a rise in civil unrest. A rise in civil liberty? How is it unrest to voice your God-given civil liberties? How is that considered um, civil unrest? Oh, look at these unruly unresting peasants. They want freedom. So, um, this... this uh, this year ahead report warned of warned against uh, the backdrop of a pandemic that there would be civil unrest and political unrest by malicious actors. Hey, knock it off. I'm an actor too, buddy. Like, not a malicious actor. I am a thespian, a stage actor. I take great offense to that. Calling my brothers and sisters in the uh, freedom movement malicious actors. They're acting in their own civil interest, speaking up for their rights. Their report, written by what's called the Intelligence Assessment Secretariat, is summarized in a February 16th confidential memo to senior officials. That 2021 report had also warned about a breakdown of social cohesion. A year after the 2021 report, it cautions materialized as thousands of trucks and vehicles rolled into the country's capital. They were filled with people pushed to the margins of society by vaccine mandates they refused to follow. Out of a mix of government distrust and libertarian values, or being, or after being scared off by misinformation and conspiracy theories. Again, let me pause. That's a wide assumption. Maybe it was just people who wanted to stand up for their own civil liberties, believing in democracy and elected representation. You can't just mandate and invoke war. Well, I mean, this was prior to the War Measures Act. Or sorry, this is prior to the Emergencies Act. But the initial protest in the Freedom Convoy movement you can't just chalk it up to a bunch of misinformation and conspiracy theories and marginalized people and, you know, people with a mix of government distrust and libertarian values and scared off by misinformation and conspiracy theory. Like, maybe it's just as simple as, yo, don't step on me. I'm a tax-paying citizen. You know, I'm a 
worthwhile member of my community, you know, law-abiding citizen, don't get me in a stranglehold over a bunch of mumbo-jumbo mandates over fucking junk science imposed restrictions and fear-mongering BS. Bunch of hooey, you know? Bunch of horse feathers. Maybe it's people just out for basic democracy. That couldn't be the case, right? Many had lost jobs and experienced rifts with family and and had described feeling angry, shamed, and unheard. Yeah. The unrest first seized headlines roughly four months earlier when the federal government announced a plan, a planned vaccine mandate on August 13th, 2021. Two days later, Mr. Trudeau triggered a snap election. Pause. Quick sip of tea, balls. Don't mind me, balls. And again, I'm not doing a Trudeau blackface impersonation. Hi, everyone. Justin Trudeau. Deo. We say deo. Daylight coming. Me one go home. Not doing a Trudeau blackface impersonation. That's just one of my little jingles here over at JR the P. Quick sip of tea, balls. Don't mind me, balls. Over the course of the campaign, he made a 180-degree turn on his previous concerns about vaccine mandates, creating divisions and discrimination, and steadily turned up the dial on his rhetoric, pushing for vaccines. Yeah, he's a flip-floundering fuckhead. Later that month, James Bodeur planted the seeds for a freedom for a convoy freedom posting on Facebook about the possibility of a convoy parked on Mr. Trudeau's front step. That effort flopped, but a second one, where he teamed up with Patrick King, Tamara Litch, Chris Barber, Bridget Belton, and Benjamin Dichter, did not. In early January, the idea for a convoy to Ottawa took off, rallying across the cross rallying around the cross-border vaccine mandate aimed at truckers and other essential workers. The protesters arrived in Ottawa on January 28th, directing their anger squarely at Mr. Trudeau, hurling expletives, waving profane flags, and disrupting daily life for Ottawa residents, including with around-the-clock honking. They remained lodged in downtown Ottawa for more than three weeks, Pause. So they describe uh, the arrival of these truckers as um, hurling expletives at Mr. Trudeau, waving profane flags, disrupting daily life for Ottawa residents, including with including around the clock honking. That's obviously not all of them. That's a slice sample. You know, there was a lot of them that were just chill. I saw the. Uh, they did like uh, vlogs. People did vlogs on um, like YouTube, you know, like vlogging, filming, vlogging, you know, these protests in Ottawa. I even attended some here in Toronto, Toronto, Ontario. I attended the Freedom 
rallies in Toronto. Not a lot of, I mean, yes, there were some wackos here and there, angry, yelling, disconnected, but a lot of it was just very peaceful, um, civil, and communicative. Like, these are our issues, these are our points, we'd like to be heard. Don't just step on us. You know, we live in a democracy. This is elected representation. And we don't all have the facts. And this fake, phony, mumbo-jumbo, omnipotent hammer that's been coming down on the world during this COVID-19 fiasco, it's retarded. They remained, the, uh, the protesters, they remained lodged in downtown Ottawa for more than three weeks. At the inquiry, convoy leaders described a love fest full of unity, hugs, free food, and dancing. Before the protesters arrived, Mr. Trudeau called them a small fringe minority. You're nothing but a small fringe minority. Yet he would never call that to a drag queen. What else is a drag queen and the whole drag queen phenomenon that grips um, headlines? You know, drag queen story time. All these drag queen shows showing up on television. What else is that other than a small fringe minority? He would never call that mess of a small fringe minority but he would call people standing up for their civil liberties and freedoms a small fringe minority, those mean old truckers. Before the protesters arrived, Mr. Trudeau called them a small fringe minority with unacceptable views. (laughs) Yeah, you're, you're... your, your, your outlook on life is unacceptable. Your personal um, opinions and sense of self and freedom and liberty and uh, just your whole aura is unacceptable. <laughs> According to Justin Trudeau. Before the protesters arrived, Mr. Trudeau called them a small fringe minority with unacceptable views. After they arrived, he said he wouldn't go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence toward fellow citizens. Yeah, that's the hallmark of a leader. I'm not going to listen to anything anyone has to say. Yeah, you're really connecting with the people. Really a man of the people. I'm not going anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence toward fellow citizens. Let me pause here for a second. The whole time during that too, I'm like thinking to myself, okay, I could totally understand that, yeah, there were some whack jobs out there that made very hateful and violent. I mean, when I say small, I mean almost non-existent. Maybe like a handful of wackos that truly expressed violence and disconnected hate and all that crap i'm sure there were and just being a high profile person i could totally understand the prime minister wanting to take his own and his family's 
safety into account. That's totally fine. I'm not knocking him for that. But why would you... Um, why would you cut off communication with these protesters? Why couldn't he have set up like a, a video conference? You're telling me they couldn't have set up a screen? Like imagine if he went to the protesters and said, all right, guys, keep it calm. We're going to set up a, a giant screen, like, you know, like a screen that you see at like, you know, some, you know, at like Lollapalooza or what's that other one? Uh, you know, all them fucking pill popping rave type. What are those? What's that thing called? Whatever, you know those parties, right? Those uh, those big time concerts, those those day long, week long concerts. Set up a big screen, do a video conference with the people, with the crowd. Why couldn't he have done that? How easy would have that have been? That way they would calm down, and then they could listen, and talk and express themselves. Just set up a screen, speakers. Sit in front of it on camera. Hi, I'm your Prime Minister. I'm here to hear your concerns. Go right ahead. We're going to hash it out. Via Zoom. Everything was being done on Zoom during pandemic. Why couldn't he have communicated with the protesters via Zoom? That seemed like a no-brainer. Just set up, just set up a big screen, sit in front of it, and converse with these people. What's going on? No. He was scared. Quick, everyone, quick, everyone. The truckers are coming. The truckers are coming. Quick, into the sewer. Into les sewer. Go, hide, hide. The truckers, those mean old truckers. Tucked his tail between his legs and hid. Is that the hallmark of a leader? I don't think so. The convoy leaders wore the Prime Minister's words as a badge of honor and urged protesters to hold the line as official warnings to leave ramped up. But only through inquiry did the public learn that while the leaders encouraged others to put their trucks and therefore their livelihoods on the line, most of the convoy leaders did not. Mr. Barber removed his truck, Big Red, from the Red Zone after the second weekend, Mr. King left his motorhome in the secure location and hitched a ride downtown. Ms. Belton left her big rig at home, as did Mr. Dichter. Pause. Um, all, those organist, or, all those organizers of the Freedom Convoy, the names I just listed, they put themselves out there vocally representing what a lot of Canadians felt. So just because they may not have, they did or did not leave their vehicle on the grounds of the protest, they put themselves and their livelihood up on the plate. I mean, they're in the news here, and there ain't nothing glorious about being drugged in front of a uh, national inquiry and be and to be accused of being a you know a hate monger spewing hateful rhetoric 
you know, um, a sliver, a minority group, somebody with perverse, wacko outlooks that are basically being deemed deemed as traitors to Canada. Like there ain't nothing glorious about that, yet they put themselves out there. So just because they didn't have their vehicles there, they put themselves out in a big way for many Canadians that felt the same way. So, I mean, it's just splitting hairs. And for all we know, who knows? In this era of fake news, okay? It's the China virus. Why? Because it came from China. In this era of fake news, I mean, who even knows if that BS is true? Maybe, maybe their rigs were there. Maybe their vehicles were there. Pause, quick sip of tea, balls. Don't mind me, balls. Oh. Stephanie Carvin, a associate professor at Carleton University and former federal intelligence analyst, said the convoy leaders have shown at the protests and in the inquiry that they see reality entirely differently. Okay. Isn't that their right in a democracy? And to voice peacefully their concern with their government, which acts by elected representation, not by totalitarian, authoritarian dictatorship. The hammer of God tells us what mandates we must follow and adhere to. Elected representation, dummy. Don't take a genius to tell you that. They're not delusional, she said, but added, I'm not sure anything would have convinced them that they were causing harm. Well, we really don't know because the Prime Minister wouldn't speak to them or try to convince them. I love that statement. I'm not sure anything would have convinced them that they were causing harm. Well, the Prime Minister didn't even attempt to. Had the Prime Minister attempted to, perhaps they would have come to a more democratic, civil conclusion. No. I'm going to invoke the War Measures Act or the Emergencies Act or whatever. I just want to control them. Um, In his testimony last week, Mr. Trudeau pivoted on his earlier comments, expressing compassion for those who chose not to get vaccinated, saying he he was moved by the depth of hurt and anxiety some people felt and the fears they expressed. That fucker doesn't feel nothing other than the, you know, a nice breeze go through that nice quaff of hair of his. Aside from the passing breeze through that quaff of hair of his, on that fucking bobblehead of his, aside from that, of a, aside from a breeze brushing through that quaff of hair on that fucking bobblehead of his, he didn't feel nothing. The intelligence assessment 
Secretariat underscored the misinformation behind some of those fears. Fuck off. Here we are almost three years into COVID-19 and anyone claiming any sort of finality and factual grounds on anything around COVID-19 is a lying, dildo, doorknob, dumbfounded, in, in for fucking ramus, ignoramus. What the bumbaclot fuck is COVID-19? Who, what, where, when, why, and what the fuck is it? We still don't fucking know. No one knows. So this is complete bullshit. Do you know? I don't fucking know. All I know is there's certain things that I am willing to and unwilling to live with in my life. There's certain things I can see and understand. And, you know, I see with my eyes, I hear with my ears, I smell with my nose, I deduce things, I make rational choices as best as I can. And as far as I can tell, nobody knows what the fuck it is. And um, as far as um, any comprehension on the matter of COVID-19, it's still up for debate. And then they make up bullshit like this. The Intelligent Assessment Secretariat underscored the misinformation behind some of those fears. A.K.A. a bunch of words to keep you scared, which they can turn sideways and stick up their fucking ass. That is if they got six boosters first. Go get your booster shot, and once you do that, take this article and stick it up your fucking ass. In all fairness, it's a pretty uh, balanced article, but... I just felt like saying that in the moment. Let me continue. Over centuries, pandemics have been connected to protests and revolts as impact of an epidemic worsens, inequality, and psychological shock can leave people believing irrational narratives, the Bureau's February 16th report detailed. What a bunch of liars. Straight up liars. As if I'm a fucking retard. They think we're retards. Um, it has people believing irrational narratives. Irrational narratives. Again, who, what, where, when, why, and what the fuck is COVID-19? What is it? Where did it come from? What is the real, quote, science behind it? What is it? We still don't know. So for them to say, believing irrational narratives... Is completely irresponsible and outrageous, if you really want to get technical about it. They don't know anything more than what I know. Some stupid idiot talking in front of a camera. They don't know anything, yet they're saying that they do. But what separated the convoy protests from early revolts, such as Montreal's 1885 anti-vaccine mandate riot, which had residents yelling, kill the vaccinators, was a modern mix of social media and disinformation, as well as crowdfunding cryptocurrencies, the report found. So apparently back in the 1885 anti-vaccine mandate riot in Montreal, and they failed to mention a a vaccine for what? Just some anti-vaccine riot 
A vaccine for what? Was it the sterilization of um, unwanted people, a.k.a. people with mental disabilities? Was it a vaccination for people with, quote, mental disabilities? Like, what was the vaccination for? No, they just frame it as these screaming lunatics, rioting, yelling, screaming, kill the vaccinators. Okay, yeah, you might want to mention what the vaccine was for. Maybe it was euthanasia. Who fucking knows? And who fucking knows if there wasn't a a woke mob reporting this bullshit back then, 1885, you know? Some stupid idiot with like, you know, shoes with buckles on them and, you know, those, those triangle hats and frilly collars and, you know, walking around with a candlestick. Oh my God. They yelled, kill the vaccinators. I feel triggered. Back in 1885. You know? William Shakespeare type shit. But, um, anyway. Police services. Well, I guess William Shakespeare is more like 1600s or something. 1400s. Ah, who knows? Who cares? Police services plagued by jurisdictional jurisdiction Dictional issues. Pause. Quick sip of tea. Wet my whistle. During the protests, the first line of defense was the Ottawa Police Service officials who testified at the inquiry said, as well as experts who watched the proceedings, detailed a cascade of failures at the local level and mushroomed as personal animosities and power struggles got on the way of police doing their jobs, as did staffing shortages and experience gaps. Bureaucratic bullshit, blah, blah, yada, yada. The service planned for a single weekend protest, at most, despite indications that it could last much longer. It would not be a run-of-the-mill event. The inquiry has heard. What was already an inadequate plan to manage the protests before convoys arrived, then buckled under the unexpected volume of protesters and vehicle pouring into the city that first weekend. By the end of the weekend, police were unable to explain how they would end the demonstrations and were struggling to put together a plan. By February 2nd, then-Ottawa Police Chief Peter Sloy told the Ottawa Police Services Board that there might be a policing solution to the protests. His comment spurred public anger, though the former chief testified that it was widely misunderstood. What's wrong with that? Police work. I mean, they are there to serve and protect. Why couldn't there be a policing solution? I mean, as a brother, and you can see that I'm a brother, I'd take a little policing solution over imposed mandates and a stranglehold on my personal freedom. I'll take a little bit of policing solution. Show me what you got, officer. I'm a law-abiding citizen. A lot of the protesters were law-abiding citizens. Sure, there could have been a police solution. University of Ottawa Associate Criminology Professor Michael Kemper said that the protests could and should have been managed through policing. Hallelujah. 
but the police system in Ontario only functions if there are strong relationships between a police service, police board, partner agencies, and the Solicitor General's office. But never mind society in general, right? The people that they're actually policing. There can't be a strong police um, uh, system amongst the people. No, it must go through bureaucratic systems. The convoy protests stress-tested the system and it broke down, revealing a weak system, he said. The Emergencies Act inquiries most interesting revelations as told by its text messages. In an emergency situation, a police service board and police chief are the only ones that can ask the OPP, Ontario Provincial Police, to take over when a police force is not providing adequate effective policing, Professor Kempa said. Mr. Slawley's senior commanders believed that he thought that other police services coming to Ottawa to help craft an enforcement plan illustrated a plot against him, the inquiry has heard. Is that not possible? It seemed like they just wanted to take the situation right out of the hands of um, you know, the province and political, the province and local discord. They just wanted to throw it right up the ladder and to rule with an iron fist by Prime Minister Blackface. Police stood by as protesters formed supply lines of fuel-filled jerry cans and indiscriminately set off fireworks near condos and office buildings. I mean, for God's sakes, how many um, festivals and celebrations were put on hold due to (coughs) COVID-19? I mean, a couple of fireworks, I think, were in order at this point. I mean, come on. We're talking fucking January, February 2022. Damn near two years into the whole fiasco. And they want to fucking get up on their fucking high horse and cry about a couple of fireworks? Long past overdue, if you ask me. So what if they were shooting off fireworks right next to fuel-filled jerry cans? I mean, have to have a little fun in life. Can't be hid behind a mask indefinitely. Police stood by as protesters formed supply lines of fuel-filled jerry cans and indiscriminately set off fireworks near condos and office buildings. Yet Mr. Slawley testified that the chaos never met the threshold where he should have relinquished command. Well, no shit. That's the type of thing you see at a fucking Canada Day parade. A couple fireworks, you know? Why should the police crumble? I mean, I think they should be a little bit more sturdy than that. And then Ottawa Police Board Chair Diane Deans testified that she couldn't recall if the board ever considered making a request to the OPP. It's funny how people just don't remember things. The chaos should have triggered an automatic threshold for the OPP to take control, but no such mechanism exists, Professor Kempa said. He said the province failed to pull all of the available levers 
He said the province failed to pull all of the available levers within its emergency powers to help the protests in Ottawa. While the province's February 11th emergency orders explicitly covered the blockade at the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor, they were less clear on the protests in Ottawa. Had Ontario Prime Premier Doug Ford done more, it also would have put Mr. Trudeau on more solid ground if those steps had not been sufficient and the Federal Emergencies Act was still needed, he added. Pardon me. Professor Carvin and the Emergencies Act assumes all parties do their job as expected, not the Ottawa police should be dysfunctional or that Mr. Ford would decide he didn't want to get involved and kick it up to the federal government. So apparently they're criticizing the Premier, Ottawa Premier Doug Ford, and in all fairness, he didn't really seem to be doing much. It seemed like he just really wanted to protect his uh, position. I mean, I remember, I mean, they're the conservative right, conservative party, Ontario, Prime Minister, Premier, Ontario Premier Doug Ford. I thought he would have been a little bit more vocal about things and a little bit more involved, but he seemed kind of standoffish. I don't remember hearing as much as a mouse fart out of that guy, really, during this whole situation. But I mean, then again, I don't know. I wasn't always glued to the tube during this whole affair. It is assumed that the Ontario government would be working in solving this, and it wasn't. So what do you do? She said. Whoever that was. During the protest, Mr. Trudeau privately referred to Mr. Ford as hiding from his responsibility. While both federal and municipal politicians expressed frustration that Ontario's elected officials would not participate in a series of coordinating meetings and seemed to believe, falsely, that the federal government had jurisdiction in Ottawa. Hell if I know if that's true or not, right? Everyone's always looking to point the blame at someone else. It's your fault I... (laughs) did what I did. Not mine, yours. Gaps in intelligence gathering. When the Emergencies Act came into force in 1988, it was meant as a tempered replacement of the War Measures Act. During parliamentary debate, Late 1987 Emergencies Act champion, then Minister. Um, this is getting long winded, folks. My goodness. We're almost there. Thank you for bearing with, if you've bared with thus far. And, um, you know, again, this is a little long winded, but um, I guess it's what I can attest to in my time during this whole COVID-19 situation, um, the inquiry into the Emergencies Act invocation. And, you know, it's my show. All right? So what the hell? 
I'm going to go for it. Gaps in intelligence gathering. When the Emergencies Act came into force in 1988, it was meant as a tempered replacement of the War Measures Act. During parliamentary debate in late 1987, the Emergencies Act champion, then-minister Perrin Betty, acknowledged that the most contentious sect dealt with public order emergencies given concerns that it could be used to squash legitimate protests. So yeah, even when they came into the conception of the War Measures Act, or sorry, the Emergencies Act, when it came into force, um, people were a little bit weary because it's like there were concerns that it would be used to, to squash, quash legitimate protest. You know, it's like an iron fist. But Mr. Beatty... Betty, or Beatty, whatever, reassured parliamentarians that declaring a public order emergency, as Mr. Trudeau would do more than 30 years later, more than 30 years later, would require a double test. First, a threat to security of Canada must exist. The Emergencies Act would take its definition of this from the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, CSIS Act. This fact alone should make us very cautious, Mr. Beatty said. It would also require the definition of a national emergency with several additional criteria be met. I am sure all members of this House will appreciate that the standard established in this definition is very stringent indeed, he said. Well, obviously not too stringent. If you're living in 2022, that is. The inquiry has heard that the protests in Ottawa and elsewhere did not rise to the level of national security threat under the CSIS Act. Yet, CSIS Director David Vignot testified that he recommended the Act's invocation after receiving a legal opinion from the Justice Department that the Emergencies Act could take a broader interpretation than the CSIS Act. Pause. So let me just say, yo, it's all there that this whole invocation of the Emergencies Act was phony, wrong, hyperbole, uh, and um, itchy trigger finger. Listen to this. The inquiry has heard that the protests in Ottawa and elsewhere did not rise to the level of national security threat under the CSIS Act. Yet, the CSIS director, David Vignal, testified that he recommended the act's invocation after receiving a legal opinion from the Justice Department that the Emergencies Act could take a broader interpretation of the CSIS Act. So yeah, it was common sense and commonly known that the situation had not risen to that level, had not risen to the level of a national security threat. Yet the CSIS director took up some legal mumbo-jumbo opinion from the Justice Department that the Emergencies Act could take a broader interpretation than the CSIS Act. 
So they just say it right there. Bureaucratic um, fucking pundits and governmental bodies just acted unilaterally. Never mind the voice of the people. We're going to do what we think is best for you. On February 14th, about an hour after the act's invocation was announced, Mr. Trudeau received a memo from Canada's top public servant recommending the act's use. A detailed threat assessment was meant to follow under separate cover, but it did not. Jody Thomas, National Security and Intelligence Advisor, had sought that threat assessment earlier that day, but she testified that it fell through the cracks and we were overtaken by events. Wesley Wark, a senior fellow with the Center for International Governance in Innovation and an expert in national security and intelligence issues, said this meant Cabinet acted without a detailed written threat assessment formalized in front of them. So yes, this person, uh, this, this senior fellow with the Center for International Governance and Innovation and an expert in national security and intelligence issues, said the cabinet acted without a detailed written threat assessment formalized in front of them. So there was no detailed formalized threat assessment in front of them. They just kind of ran away with their imagination. It's a national threat. <clears throat> Emergencies Act. And then they just, they just invoked it. To me, that is something that should never be allowed to happen, he said. Thank God, yeah. God willing, shouldn't be able to happen. When the federal government decided that it needed to step in, he said, they did so in an information environment in which they simply lacked good intelligence. In testimony, a separate interview with Inquiry Council, Ms. Thomas described several gaps in Canada's intelligence ecosystem. We're stupid. She took up the role which is meant to coordinate the national security community and advised the Prime Minister about two weeks before the convoys arrived in Ottawa. Ms. Thomas did not receive intelligence from the multi-jurisdictional police program called Intersect, nor a series of crucial intelligence reports from the OPP. She received some, but not all, intelligence reports collected by the RCMP and said the RCMP RCMP should have been more forthcoming with information. Most of her intelligence during the convoy came from the Integrated Integrated Terrorism Assessment Center reports, which Mr. Wark had called notable for their sheer generality. Interviewed alongside Ms. Thomas, Michael McDonald, an assistant secretary to cabinet who advises on national security, said it was an issue that law enforcement agencies maintain distinct intelligence silos. Talk about misinformation. You want to squawk on about misinformation? Y'all motherfuckers up in your little ivory towers are misinformed, boy. You dummies can't even fucking file a couple papers you know, shuffle a couple duotangs, manila envelopes, send a couple fucking emails, couple memos, 
stick it notes. These idiots can't even organize a fucking, you know, text message, let alone fucking have any input or any real scope of reality when it comes to concerns of national security. Total lack of misinformation. Total lack of information, boy. Inquiry also heard about gaps in the definition, legally and legislatively, of national security. The veil of solicitor-client privilege. Over and over during the past six weeks, the inquiry heard questions about whether the federal government met the legal standard required to invoke the act. The answer was not forthcoming, of course. However, because of the invocation of the solicitor-client privilege during federal officials' testimony. So when federal officials were were testifying, they just invoked this solicitor-client privilege. Bullshit. And while Mr. Trudeau and his government argue that the fact was necessary. And while Mr. Trudeau and his government argue that the act was necessary and its legal standard met, others disagree. Soon after the act's invocation, two groups, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and the Canadian Constitution Foundation, filed legal challenges. Another part of the threshold to invoke the act was raised far less at the inquiry. As Mr. Beatty reassured his colleagues decades ago, the Emergencies Act requires the presence of a national emergency that cannot be effectively dealt with under any other law. Asked about this in an interview with Inquiry Council, Attorney General David Lametti could not specify particular reports or inputs received by the Department of Justice regarding the effectiveness of other laws to deal with the protests and blockades. I cannot say anything. But he did say consultations took place. You can't say anything, yet you're going to say that? Well, then what can you say? What should I believe from a man who can't say, but can say? That you can't and can't say? That you choose to say and not say? Can't can't believe him. Karisama Mathen, a professor of law at the University of Ottawa, noted that the Emergencies Act was multiple, has multiple safeguards built in, which could be one argument why the federal government is not strictly bound to the national security agency's interpretation of threats. For instance, it is not a requirement of the act to hold an inquiry after its invocation. Well, it is the decent thing to do if you believe in democracy. So what? You can tramp around and impose your will on people, but we can't ask you about it. Question. Why'd you hit me over the head with that mallet? Because we want to. Yeesh. I mean, what kind of a democracy is this? I mean, I do pay my taxes after all. I do have some sort of right and almost the common decency to ask a train why it fucked me after it did. 
I mean, if you get fucked by a train, aren't you allowed to turn around and ask the rail conductor? Yo, what the fuck was that? Talk, talk about rail crossing. But Professor Mathen said, this isn't a just, this isn't just about what is correct interpretation of the reference to Section 2 of the CSIS Act. It's where there are reasonable grounds for Cabinet to reach that conclusion. She also said that even though the legal opinion received by Cabinet is shield, shielded by solicitor-client privilege, it seems relatively clear what that opinion was, and added that there doesn't seem to be a huge amount turning on it. Professor Carvin, <coughs> meanwhile, said it is a problem that the government never realized or released its full legal advice. This is the National Security Super Bowl. This is as big as it gets. And if you're going to try to justify why you're doing this, everything should be on the table, she said. Hallelujah. So this um, this intellectual analyst, analyst, this professor, this intellectual analyst, she, she's, she's quoted as saying, um, she says that meanwhile, it is a problem that the government never released its full legal advice. That's a problem. It's a problem that the government is not transparent with this information. And she's quoted as saying, this is the National Security Super Bowl. This is as big as it gets. And if you're trying to justify why you're doing this, everything should be on the table. Yes, I agree with that 100%. While police and other institutions have learned lessons from the protests of last winter, Professor Carvin said the problems behind the protests aren't going away. We're going to have to deal with people who have an entirely different understanding of everyday world events, who just view the country that they've woken up to in such a different light. And that's how they end the article. Um, the police and other institutions have learned lessons. They've learned so much from the protests of last winter. But the problem behind the protests aren't going away because we're going to have to deal with people who have an entirely different understanding of everyday world events, who just view the country that they've woken up to in such a different light. Okay, so while no information was divulged, somehow police and government learnt from the situation, even though no information was revealed, somehow police and government learned so much from this uh, Emergencies Act invocation, even though they didn't release any uh information regarding the situation due to their client uh, solicitor privilege. They didn't release any of the information, yet they've learned so much from it, and they're just going to have to deal with people who see the world differently. Those stupid idiots who want to think for themselves. 
That was an article by the Globe and Mail. And uh, if you want to get it, you want to read it yourself, um, you can get it at theglobeandmail.com, titled, What We Learned at the Emergencies Act Inquiry After uh, Six Weeks of Testimony, written by Marsha McClude and Marik Walsh. And thank you for bearing with if you listened through. Um, I just wanted to kind of speak a little bit and read a little bit and kind of play back and forth with some ideas during this time, during this uh, inquiry into the Emergencies Act, which was enforced by Prime Minister Blackface Trudeau. Um, as a remedy as a way of dealing with the Freedom Convoy protests of 2022. Um, I think I gave some uh, I think I gave some of my opinion. I think I gave some funny um, insight into some basic ideas surrounding the situation. Everything's still out to lunch. A lot of bureaucracy at play, a lot of closed lips, a lot of legal buggery. Um, what are your thoughts? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up with your feedback. Like, what do you think about this situation? Um, basically, um, one of the biggest issues during this inquiry is that the government of Canada, the Trudeau government, they're hiding behind their um, legal professional privilege, which, um, you know, it's a professional privilege between, um, you know, a client being, I guess, the government of Canada and their legal representation. That whatever they say, whatever communication that is done between them is done in private confidence. So none of the information in terms of the decision-making, none of the information in regards to the thought process and the information and the decision-making that went into the invocation of the Emergencies Act is being divulged by our government, the Canadian government, the Trudeau government, they're not giving that information. So what in the bumbaclut fuck is the point of the inquiry to begin with if they're not going to put the cards on the table? It's like a kangaroo court of sorts. What is a kangaroo court anyway? Is that when a kangaroo's the judge? You know, sitting up there on the fucking bench with a big old floppy ears and them fucking big old pancake feet. Little Joey sitting in the pouch the fuck is a kangaroo court anyways it's like a mumbo jumbo court isn't it well it's a bit of a kangaroo court these fucking the government's not even they're basically just sitting there mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we invoked the emergencies act yep we did and we're not going to talk about it but um we're going to sit before you and tell you that we're very serene in our decision making process
hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What are your thoughts? And you know, hey, I marched in the uh, Toronto Freedom Convoy protests of 2022. If you see the Duke, Freedom Convoy 2022, baby. Yeah, I marched in them marches, boy. Post a couple pics. I was out and about during them times, you know. Um, I was standing up for my civil liberties. I was standing up for my civil rights. Um, the mandates were just too much, too much fear mongering. It was just too much government overreach, vax ports, all this legal mumbo jumbo rhetoric in regards to my personal health, into in regards to society's personal health issues got the government bearing down on us and it was just too much man it was like two years at that point at that point it had been like you know two years or so of COVID-19 hysteria and to this day who what where when why and what the fuck is COVID-19 did it come from the wet markets of Wuhan province China did it come from a bat Was it created in a laboratory? Is it some sort of Cold War? Sort of fight between, you know, China and America. Western civilization, Eastern civilization, you know? What's going on? Is it like, you know, some kind of cold Cold War style thing going on? And what I'd been spouting from the top, you know, like like everyone, I was concerned for a little bit, but like about after a month or two of COVID-19 hysteria, yo, I saw through the veil, man. Yo, weekly, monthly, yearly, till these dumb motherfuckers see clearly. COVID-19 is a political weapon used to disrupt global economies and gain control for whatever nefarious reason. Now, I don't know what that nefarious reason is, but it's nefarious, all right? Hey, there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Uh, Awfully squooey. Again, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com um what i've been dealing with during this time um as an actor as a stand-up comedian um i'm a person very much like um all those small businesses that were affected thank god i didn't have employees rent uh inventory supply chains um, never mind the supply chain. I mean, uh, I think if I were a small business person, I would be on the side of the Freedom Convoy. A few weeks of minor inconvenience for the principle of life and liberty. This stuff isn't just like 
comes off in the wash and oh well mamby pamby i mean i guess i care about freedom right all like all you woke motherfuckers out there changing your hairdo and hair color every other fucking day freedom and liberty aren't the wishy washy fluid these are principles of life and liberty so i mean i'm sure if i were a small business owner, I'd totally be on the side of the convoy. And um, as I, you know, as a performer, actor, comedian, during those times, I faced challenges. I faced a lot of challenges. Um, A lot of what I did was, well, a lot of what I do was on hold. But I found my way through, found my way through, I shot and released my first stand-up comedy special during those times, Jonathan Ramcharan, Suitable for No Audiences. It's a real humdinger, folks. Hope you check her out. It's available online. You know, hit my website, jonathan-ramcharan.com for further detail. Hit me up on YouTube, Jonathan Ramcharan on YouTube. I'm on Odyssey. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, bunch of ways to connect with me, my show, and the new special, Jonathan Ramcharan, suitable for no audiences. And I kind of give my take on the whole pandemic situation. And that was my, um, that was my kind of stance and viewpoint during COVID-19 and especially um, um, during time of mandate and lockdowns, just too much. Enough's enough. So, just to drive the point home before we close out, I stand with the Freedom Convoy, I stand with the truckers, and um, it's about life and liberty. It's about God, family, and prosperity. It's not about dictatorship and totalitarian authoritative measures. You know, these jokester governments that want to flush democracy down the toilet and just rule with an iron fist and do whatever the hell they please. It's elected representation, democratic, free society. And one's own personal health issues are um, one's own personal business. And, you know, how dare they call one person's viewpoint on their own personal health issues as misinformation when it's clear to any um, honest, truthful person that this whole COVID-19 situation is and has been Confusing. It is and has been confusing. And to stand on one side of anything and judge other people for their actions is unreasonable. That is if you value things of freedom and liberty and, you know, basic right and wrong. 
like the concept of right and wrong, if you value these simple concepts, or I mean, I don't know if they're too simple, but these, these, if you value the concepts of like, you know, what's right and what's wrong and, um, you know, liberty and freedom, then hopefully you can see my point. Well, that about does it for another episode of JR the P. Certainly loved gobbin, gabbin, squawking and blabbin with y'all this good day. Um, I'm gonna go chill out. I'm gonna enjoy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go enjoy my weekend. Go enjoy my weekend and chill out. And you know, all is well. And um, hey. I think more voices need to be heard. If you got a voice that, you know, at the very least you side with democracy, please consider some of the concerns of the Freedom Convoy and really look into what happened there. I attended Freedom Convoy protests in, in Toronto. I saw video of it. I saw YouTube vlogs about it. For the vast part, the vast majority of these protesters were peaceful, law-abiding Canadian citizens who loved God, family, and freedom. They weren't these crazy wackos with hateful rhetoric who wanted to spew their fringe minority viewpoints and overthrow the government in the name of whatever fringe minority crap that they were labeled as. They were Canadian citizens, hardworking folks who were in favor of God, family, and freedom. And I saw them acting very very free and to some people that's that's scary the concept oh my god the peasants are free the peasants are free look at them but it was all very civil it was all very it was all very much a love fest from a lot of what I saw to quote the article that I just rambled on for oh my god the old fucking gizzard getting a little sore so thank you very much for your viewership this episode and if uh, you value those things God, freedom and family definitely um, keep a watchful eye during these times of uh, COVID-19 and I guess the fallout and what we're dealing with post-pandemic Keep a vigil. Keep an eyeful watch. They ain't done with us yet. Hallelujah. Till next time, folks. I repeat. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle, buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Signing out from duty on this magnificent December 3rd, 2022. Emergencies Act Inquiry. 
Hey, we'll see what comes of it. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Odyssey, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, kafos, chortles, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight? Stay free. Peace.